So we will pick up with Lander, who is going to meet Cassandra so that you can get the items that she found or she was supposed to procure from her first day on the job. Where do you want to go to meet her? I want to go to Foss's shop because I actually wanted to speak with Foss anyways. Okay. Uh, so you're able to make your way through the city without any incident. Uh, you make your way. In, even though you know where the shop is, you still have trouble finding it. There's a couple times where you walk past it. There's damn alleyways. But eventually you get to the right door. Once again, as you open it, that the bell jingles up, up top. You're in the same room you've been in a couple times now. Uh, the old guy at the counter doesn't even really react to you, but he goes ahead and gives you the sort of the head nod to go on back, uh, which is a little bit different than the last couple of times you've been here. That's all right. I give him a head nod back like, hey, thanks. I got you. And I uh, walk around back and go to where I know Foss is at. All right. So uh, as you come around, Foss is, is in that same little living quarters area that's right past that door, uh, right in front of the open warehouse. And he's in the process of moving that thick blanket that you've always seen him have over his legs. Go ahead and roll a perception check. All right. I got 15, but I got negative one, so that's a 14. Okay, so just for the barest of seconds, you see basically like his uncovered legs, but but you don't actually see legs. Like You're not sure he even has them underneath there, but there's definitely something, but they're not the same size as like you would expect to see. Okay. And, and you think you see a glint of metal where his legs would be. But Ooh. it's so quick that before you have a chance to really pay any attention, it's gone. Then he kind of looks up and notices you, and he gets a big smile on his face like, Ah, Lander! Ah, oh, Foss, how you doing? Doing well. Hey, I wanted to ask you, what exactly do you do here? Buy and sell stuff. Yeah, well, have you ever thought about maybe traveling the high seas? No. Well, I'm sure I could talk to the rest of my crew, but I think we would love to have you as a traveling companion on our ship. Well, I, I appreciate that, but if you do what you're supposed to do for me, I've kind of got my own trip planned. Oh, yeah? Where are you heading? None of your goddamn business. Fair enough. That's why I love you, Foss. <laughs> God, you're a good old cute. <laughs> <laughs> why are you here? Uh, I'm actually here looking for Cassandra. Have you seen her? She's not back yet. Should be here any time, though. Gotcha. Uh, well, if you don't mind, I'll just wait around until she shows up. Sure, have a seat. Okay. Lander pulls up a seat next to Foss. All right. After a few moments of just sort of bored, awkward silence, he will go, Want to play some cards? Yeah, I love cards. Uh, What do you got in mind? little... Dragon's Gambit? Maybe for a silver piece or two? Yeah, sure. I got a few spare dragons I can gamble on. Uh, and then as uh, as Lander pulls out some of his spare change, you see a king dragon card fall out of his sleeve. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, after a minute, Foss gets some cards and he starts playing. And it is, it is super obvious that this old dude's cheating. I mean, like, hardcore, not even hiding it, cheating. Oh, it's all right. I mean, Lander's cheating as well. I mean, at one point in time, we both lay down five aces. I'm tied again. Ah, we'll just go double or nothing, I suppose. Let it ride. So about 45 minutes to an hour's worth of just pointless gambling goes back and forth, and you start to hear footsteps coming up from behind you from the open area of the warehouse. I look up, and I assume I see Cassandra? You do see Cassandra. She's walking towards you. Um, she's wearing, I guess, what would be her maid clothes uh, at, 
the at the mansion and it's just like plain woolen clothes it's nothing like a sexy french maid outfit or anything uh and she's carrying hello madame <laughs> she's it carrying a knapsack uh and as she sees you uh she kind of gets like a little bit more bounce in her step and she comes up a little bit quicker and she stops right in front of you and there's like a second where she sort of catches herself and then she realizes and she bends down and she gives foss a quick kiss on the cheek before she stands back up and says, Lander, it's so great to see you. Oh, it's great to see you too, my love. Uh, were you able to find some of the items I requested earlier? So she kind of does that little tee thing when you say that. And then uh, Foss just kind of smiles and is like, ha! Slaps her on the butt real hard. And then she'll sit down and she'll open up her knapsack. Like, well, there's a couple things. Like, they were very intently watching all of us there were there were several people from the city that were hired this week to to get the the mansion ready so i don't i don't know if i got what you needed but i did find a couple things that i was able to sneak away and no one noticed and she opens up she's got like a almost like a, a cloth napkin and she unrolls it and you can see one looks to be like a very ornate uh tableware basically it's like a fork but it's like very ornate actual silver and then there is what looks to be like a giant needle like say an oversized needle made of bone I mean, he looks kind of kind of primitive, uh, but she said, these are the only two things I could get out. But I, I really want to let you know, uh, I overheard a couple of the, the guards talking, and I think that Zymir may be coming back sooner than you expected. They were talking about urgently wanting to make sure the mansion was ready for his return, and there's already more soldiers there. I, I think I counted at least eight or nine uh, soldiers just there during my shift, so I'm, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I'm worried for you guys. Oh, wow. Uh, did you by chance hear when he might be returning? No, but they just said sooner than expected, and it could be any time. Wow, this is this is something that's pretty important. I, I think I need to tell my crewmates as soon as possible about this. Uh, she'll rewrap the items back in the cloth and hand it to you, and, and her hand will linger on yours a little longer than probably it should. And I grab her hand and kiss it as she hands me the items back. Yeah, she kind of flushes red again and uh, turns away kind of shyly. She's like, just please be careful. I would hate if something were to happen to you. Don't worry. I'll always come back to you. And I, I turn towards Foss, give him a quick wink and say, hey, I'll see you later. And then turn around and walk out the door. You notice that he scooped up your silvers while you were talking to her. Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) There's probably only two or three on the table anyways. Yeah. All right. So uh, you're able to make it back. And actually, what I'll say is you're making it back onto the ship right as Evern was about to disembark. So you guys are literally going to meet each other on the gangplank. Oh, Evern, have you seen the captain and my brother? Uh, Last I saw Cade was getting dinner started in the galley. I don't know where Cranthon is. Oh, uh, well, we need we need to meet up right away. I have some important news for everybody. All right. Well, I can uh, I can put my mission on hold for a few more minutes. Let's go. All right. All right. So, where do we find Cade as Everin and Lander come back onto the Dark Discovery, which is still Draco Skydiver at the moment? Cade is in the galley, and he has a one arm wrapped around around the pot with some sort of a roast thing in it. But he's he's actually like laying down on his back, like up against up against the cabinet. And uh, he's got that belaying pin in his other hand and he, he's whacking the owlbear back, beast, back. And he starts yelling, Lander, Lander, get your beast out of here. And as it takes a <laughs> as it takes a giant uh, a, a giant bite, like actually part of out of the pot also in, in the pot roast and he clubs it upside the nose. All right, so Albie is attacking a pot roast at the moment. 
It doesn't surprise me. I taught him that trick. As Lander comes in, he's like, Albie, Albie, heal. Get over here. So Albie will take like a sort of a half step back and he'll actually almost do like a challenging sort of open mouth towards the, the captain. And then he'll come over and quickly do a perfect heal by Lander and just set right by you. I'm just like, good boy. And I, I, I give him a little piece of food from my pocket that I had. Is it does is it goes right and I'm Cade whips the, the blaying pin at him, but it actually slips out of his hand and flies over Lander's head. <laughs> and, and there's a there's a crash in, in the background is is he goes Damn it. <laughs> I just finished brewing that. So Albie comes and does again as a perfect heel. It takes the the little morsel that you've given it and it you know it's chewing in its beak and then it'll just sort of turn its head, you know, it's just sort of like one way into the other and then just for seemingly no reason, we'll turn and just take a big bite right out of your leg. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. Play nice. <laughs> I love you too, but love hurts. Yeah, there's blood starting to come down, <laughs> seeping into your boot. Uh, well, anyway. Well, where's, oh. where's Cranton? Yeah, where's Cranton? So I was downstairs, basically across from my room where I tried to hide, well, or believe that I successfully cast the magic. And I'm still focusing, trying to repeat the same spell uh, to no su- to no success. So when I hear commotion and I hear what I believe to be Lander arriving, I try a couple more times and then I'm going to make my way to the galley. Okay, yeah. So to to clarify, you have not been able to recreate the sort of jiggling of that door. You're still not sure if you actually did it the first time or not, but it was certainly coincidental if it wasn't you, but nothing you've done since has been able to recreate that. So you guys are all walk back and you're now all in the galley once once again together. So as Cranthon walks in, Lander looks at me and says, Brother, I found some items. Hopefully uh, you'll be able to get a good divination from these. And I present to him the fork and the bone needle. And I also turn towards the captain and I say that, Captain, I have some important information for you and the rest of the crew. I spoke with Cassandra. She said that Laust is coming is preparing to come back sooner than we expected. Also, at, during the preparations uh, for him coming back home, there's more soldiers at the estate than we first thought. There's supposedly around eight or nine. That's the ones that Cassandra saw during her shift. Kate's kind of been half listening and he looks down at the pot and just sets it, you know, the on the uh, on the counter with kind of disgust on his face and and says, well, damn. Um, Did she mention how soon he might be back? No, I asked her. She couldn't give me a precise time, but I imagine it's soon if they're all scrambling to get the place ready for him. We've only got two, three days left. We're going to have to cut out a whole day just to make sure that we save our own skins. Right. I think we might even have to cut out two days if if possible. Everyone looks around at everybody. You guys think that's possible? I don't know. It'll be, it'll be tight. So we're going to have to get everything done at one day then? No, I think we need to be faster than that. I'll go tonight and I'll meet up with Payleth and I'll make sure that he doesn't screw us over with the money anyway. I don't know if it's safe for you to go out in the city by yourself. I think under the cover of darkness and the the disguise that I wear, I, I should be fine. But we still need to find out what we can about Voss. And as you guys know already, we're running out of time. Well, I was on my way to do that. 
So if I get that done tonight and you're willing to put yourself on the line to go see Paleth, Kate, are you? Yeah, Land and I will get everything ready here, get the gear together and make any final arrangements here and find somebody to skin an owlbear. Well, <laughs> I'll take Albie up top and I'll go fish him up some dessert. Just give him the rest of that. Points at a pot. Oh. I assume Albie, like, kind of chirps up at the thought of getting an entire roast to himself. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Let me cut off my half. And it's actually just like an eighth of it. And I have that and he gets to swallow down the rest of it. Yeah, his, his entire head is like down inside the pot. And he's just, like, he'll come up and fling some of the meat in his air with his beak and then re-catch it. <laughs> and you're not sure, but it, it almost looks like he sticks his tongue out at Cade. Like, he can't really, because he's got a bird beak, but it's literally like a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and clean that bottle up over there. Clean up what? The bottle. What bottle? The bottle points over there where the there, there's a playing pin. <laughs> there's a playing pin through a oh, bottle. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'll let Albie lick it off. Yeah, maybe the damn thing will eat some glass. Kay, do you think you're good to get into Foss's warehouse tonight? Too many moving parts. Let's Let's get this done you guys done because we got to get everything done here and we may have to go as soon as you guys get back so all right fair enough ditch that part cranton will take the two items from lander and wrap them up tightly and then go get a it's like a winter's cloak it's a a bit thicker than a, a normal cloak and it's maybe even like a little bit longer and he'll cover himself up and he'll start making his way towards Palos shop Okay, so we're actually going to start with um, Everin. So, uh, Everin, you turn around and uh, go back down off the gangplank, start making your way through the city. You have the monocle that Cranton gave you. Are you going to just wear it, or are you going to like hold it up every now and then to sort of spot check? How are you using it to try to look for these uh, stylized lantern signals? So, I'm going to have a sheet of uh, parchment out, and I will keep moving the monocle up to my eye and kind of holding the parchment up about every block or so, so that I can um, occasionally check for this lantern that Cranston told me about. I don't want to seem too obvious, but I have no idea where these lanterns are at, whether they're on signs or doors or could be on the ground. So I'm when I take it out to look through it, I will look down at the map and I'll look past the map, look on the ground around me. I'll look up to try to get my bearings, uh, ear quotes, and see if I can find it. And if I don't see anything immediately, I will just keep moving on. All right. Uh, go ahead and give me a higher low. Low. So it takes you maybe like half an hour before you spot the first one. You probably missed several, not sure where you were looking, also trying to be somewhat um, secretive about what you're doing. So there's probably a couple that you missed on the way. So you're you're a couple blocks into the town and you finally find the first one. And it's at the intersection of a pretty main street, uh, right on the corner. There's like a fruit vendor and it has a wooden sign and it's at the kind of the bottom left of that sign. When you look at it, normally you don't see anything at all. There's no indication there's anything there. But when you look through with the monocle, you see that stylized lantern and it's you know very black and it actually even almost looks like it's shining a dark light and that sort of gives you the indication maybe of which way to go. It kind of says, you know, go left. And once you find the first one, 
it's much easier to start seeing them more and more because they're almost always in the same place or at intersections. They're always on the left bottom corner of the signs. And, and now that you've kind of found the pattern, it's much easier to follow. And you find yourself going not out of town, but away from uh, the sort of the main areas of town into a, almost like a, a abandoned industrial area. And there's several warehouses here that look completely abandoned. And you can see that the lanterns are leading you toward one of them. And just above the door, there's one of those lanterns that doesn't show any light shining in any direction. Without the arrows that he's become accustomed to seeing, he more than likely would think that this is the last one. Uh, so he will put the monocle in his pocket and I will walk down uh, to either side of the building and check the alleyways, see if there's anything on either side that I should be aware of. You don't see anything to either side. The The windows are all boarded up pretty pretty tightly. And if there's any other doors, they're also boarded. You can't really see inside. So I'll walk over to the door and I go to reach for the handle. All right. So when you do that, the, the door has an audible click. And then it swings open, not fully open, but enough to somewhat invitingly. As it opens, you can see in, you know, as an elf, you have dark vision. And it appears to be pretty much an abandoned warehouse. Like there are multiple levels to it. Uh, you don't see anything on the level that you're on. You don't see any ways up. You don't see any ways down. But to your left, there is um, almost like a pedestal. And on the pedestal is a wooden bowl. And inside the bowl, there are two black, like look like stones of some sort. So I don't see anything else in the room, just probably columns supporting the second story of this yep. building. Columns supporting the second story. You don't even see a stairway to go up up to the next level, and you don't see any stairs or anything going down to, the, to a lower level if there is one. So I will grab the stones from the bowl and kind of roll them around in my hand for a second. All right. So they're 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 not that big. They're maybe like two inches circumference. Very heavy, though. They feel much heavier than you would have expected. They're some kind of really dark stone. And they actually feel like there might be like liquid inside of them. Like they kind of swish, slosh a little bit when you shake them. Uh, but otherwise, they, they feel to be perfectly smooth, perfectly uh, circular. Do I get any kind of enchantment off of it? Can I tell? If, is it radiating any kind of magic? You're not sure because if it was dark iron, which you may think it is based off its color and, and its weight, uh, dark iron masks enchantment. So you probably wouldn't be able to tell. Everyone will grab the stones out of the bowl, one in each hand, and he'll kind of make a small circle uh, near where he's standing, just kind of eyeballing the room, looking for anything that uh, stands out, maybe to put these stones into, or a cubby or something to, to set them in, or even um, slightly repetitive indents in the floor to line them up. Maybe they trigger something. Okay, so you spend, we'll say, like 10 minutes doing that, and you don't find anything that, that really they would fit into, or if they do fit, does anything that you can see or tell. So I put one of the stones back in the bowl, and the other one, I hold it up to my face, and I want to inspect it a little bit more. Can I see through it? No, it's very, very dark. It, again, heavy. It looks, like a, it looks like a stone. It feels like a stone. It's just been shaped into a circle. And there's something in sloshing inside it, it, it right? It feels like there might be liquid inside of it. Um, with your experience, you think it actually could be dark iron, perhaps? That would explain the color and the weight. I immediately transfer it to my phantasmal hand, and I kind of wince. My experience with it hasn't been the best in the last couple of years. I hold it up, 
and kind of squint and look through it. Uh, it's still a couple inches away from my face. Do I get anything? No. Again, this is way. It's, it's definitely not transparent. You can't see through it at all. You don't. Nothing. Your vision isn't affected when you do that. So I want to take it and uh, throw it against the floor. Does it shatter? It it does not shatter. Um, thick wooden boards uh, resound with a just a echo that bellows through this open cavernous room. But other than that, it doesn't really seem to do anything. Again, Everin curses Cranton because he has no warning of what this is. He will, yeah, he will put the stone up to his mouth and like bite it. So actually, when your mouth touches it, there's just a brief second where you have like a flash where it's almost like you have second sight and you don't see the room you're in as you do before you do that. But it just lasts a second. He takes a step back, kind of startled. I don't know that I would drop the stone, but real timidly, he will do it again and he will kind of tuck it into his cheek. All right. So w once you actually put the the stone into your mouth, uh, if there was someone looking at you, like the camera, your eyes would, would just color black completely. And you now have like a second sight and you can see this room differently than it was. And you can see there's actually stairways going up and there's, stairway, there's a stairway going down. And there's almost like a, a, an emanation of pretty much telling you that you need to go downstairs. Keeping the stone tucked in his cheek, I will follow the stairs that I can now all of a sudden see. Okay, the, the stairway is about four foot across. It's uh, pretty much straight down at a 45 degree angle. Uh, it goes down about 30 feet just straight and then at the bottom there's another bowl uh, on a similar looking pedestal this one has like maybe six or seven of those stones in it already and then there's a short hallway with a uh, like a thick curtain hanging over it and you can see there's light coming from around the edges of this curtain i will spit the stone into my phantasmal hand right, when you do your sight turns back to normal and you can see essentially the same thing just the long hallway curtain and light coming out and I will unceremoniously drop it into the bowl that's on my side. All right, it, it thunks. Everin takes a deep breath, reaches out with his hand, and I will walk through the curtain. All right, so as you part the curtain, you're in a pretty large room, pretty low ceiling. There are some uh, uh, lanterns hung around the room, and it looks kind of like a seedy tavern. And there's there's actually a bar over to your right, and there's an older gentleman like in his 50s, but he's like a healthy 50, salt and pepper hair, tan face, but very handsome. And he's sort of like rubbing down the bar with a rag. And uh, there are just a few tables scattered around. There's a few booths in dark corners. And there's probably 20, maybe 30 people spread about the bar. And they're all talking pretty low and, and quiet uh, in groups of two and three. They're all wearing very dark clothing. And as you come in, it's that almost typical Western moment where they all turn and look at you and that's kind of when you realize that there are no other elves in this room you got all the other races you know halflings dwarves and humans no elves everyone will put his hands on his hips and say rather loudly haven't you all seen an elf before so there's the shing of daggers and swords being pulled there's a creak of leather as uh, people are drawing crossbows and they pull them up and they take aim at you. And that is where we'll cut over to Cranton. Okay, so Cranton uses his cloak and pulls it up nice and snug and makes his way over towards Payless residence. All right, so it's 
fairly late in the evening now. Uh, the city is not bustling that much. And even with your disguise, you're still huge. So no one really wants to pay a whole lot of attention to you, whether they realize what you are or not. You're not an easy target for most of the people that would be interested in the lone travelers. So you are able to make it to Payless uh, House really without any incident, even much quicker than last time. Uh, you manipulate the door as you know how. It opens and you can descend the stairs back down to that living quarters. You find him down there. He's uh, he's uh, sipping on some wine. Looks like he may have had a bottle or two already. Uh, he's not drunk, but he's definitely on the way. And when you walk in, there's a, a, a moment where he's like startled and he starts to stand up before he kind of remembers. He's like, oh, whew, it's just you, right? Grantham, it's you, right? You? Grantham? Yes, it is. I wasn't sure if you were coming tonight or not. Are, do you Do you have what I need? Oh, yes. My brother Lander has secured a couple of items, apparently a fork and a bone needle. I'm not for sure if they are from Laos Zymir, but it's all that we could secure with such short notice. You got the other stuff I need? So Cranton will reach in and so he will grab a small green pouch with pre-counted out 40 dragons and he will throw it over to Paleth. And he will unwrap a soft silk cloth that contains the two items, the fork and the bow needle. It's imperative that we work quickly. Apparently, Laos is could possibly be on his way back. If he is indeed on his way back, I'd like to see if he has bedded down for the night for camp. Or if he is... I would like to see if he has left Neely Shatah yet. So, uh, Paleth catches the, the coin purse and he... He sort of shakes it a little bit as a judge in the weight. He smiles and then he sets it aside. He takes the two items that you've uh, procured for him. And he's on the on the table in front of him. He has some other implements of his spell. There's a, a stone basin, uh, almost like an oversized bowl. And it's got some water in it. And he starts working on you know adding some ingredients. And then he kind of gets to the moment where he needs to put the last item in. And he looks over and says, which one first? Do the bow needle first all right so he he picks it up and he has kind of a very instant reaction like like the heft of it is uh weighing him down like this is this is old I mean, like like ancient and then he uh he slides it into the bowl and uh, i assume at this point you've kind of stepped away obviously you don't want to be too close to the magic or it may not work so you're over behind him and light starts to kind of come up out of the bowl so you see him hunched over his, he's not sticking his face into the bowl, but he's clearly looking into it. He's using that as his scrying surface, and he starts talking to you. He's like, uh, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is the mansion. It's, it's a, it's a big room. Uh, it's circular. It looks like all the, all the stone is dark, and there's a bunch of cloaked figures. I mean, like a lot of cloaked figures, and they're, they're advancing in the center. In the center, there's, a, there's another cloaked figure who's, who's laying down." I don't know. It almost looks like they're like going to like hurt this guy or kill him or something. And then kind of almost like mid sentence, uh, Payla stops talking and he just, he sits up like back straight. He just sits up perfectly straight and he's not saying anything anymore. Payla, the cloaks, are they, do you recognize them? He doesn't respond. Cranton will run over to the scrying bowl and just flip the table spilling the just regular water everywhere. All right. So as you get over and like, you just, I mean, you're strong enough to just, as you 
hit the table, it'll flip over. But there's a second where you can see into the bowl and you can see as well kind of what he was describing, except you see the the figure he was describing in the, in the center looking directly through the portal back toward you. And as you flip the table, your presence apparently like stops the magic at the same time and it kind of fizzles out and you see or you hear Palos just start screaming bloody murders. <sighs> just rage and pain explodes from his throat. Okay, so after flipping the bowl and hearing him scream, I'll turn and see why he's screaming. All right, his his hands are coming up to his face and you can see that his eyeballs have exploded out of their sockets, but it was as if they were filled with some sort of dark liquid. It's like it's black blood is now leaking from his face out of his eyes and just down his face. And he just continues to scream. So Cranton will see his friend screaming clearly in excruciating pain. He gra- he'll grab him by the shoulders and kind of shake him and try to get him to stop screaming. The screaming continues. And once he sees that that doesn't stop him from screaming, he will stop shaking him, but keep his hands on his shoulders. He'll look him in what's left of his face, almost as if to say bye. And then he'll just wrap his one of his hands around his throat and just crush it, putting him out of his misery. <coughs> and then just the screaming finally stops. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at The RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, The Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.